We have a very special guest alert because on today's show, we are bringing in Chargers play-by-play -play man Matt Money-Smith to talk about the direction of the franchise headed into 2023 and why he is all in on the Chargers adding offense. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together now for seven seasons. But this is our fifth season as host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making this your first listen. And to make sure you never miss a big-time show like today's episode with Matt Money-Smith, make sure you're following or subscribing for free on YouTube and listening wherever you get your podcast from. Wow, Money gets the nickname Money because every time he comes on the show, he crushes it. And today is no different. We get into you know his thoughts on Brandon Staley and just the foundation he's building there going forward after that devastating loss against the Jaguars. How excited he is for Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert and what he thinks their compatibility will be. And also just why he thinks the Chargers really just need to add as many offensive weapons as possible because that is just where the NFL is heading at this point. But here he is, the best, Matt Money-Smith. All right, guys. Well, today we have another very, very special guest. We have Matt Money-Smith, the play-by-play -play man for the Chargers radio broadcast and obviously just one of the best guys out there. Always has come through for us and always has been so gracious with his time to come on. You can also find him 3 to 7 on Petros and Money on AM570. Money, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate you. You got it, guys. Uh, always love coming on. I know we do it on occasion and uh, always walk away feeling good. Always have some great Charger conversations here on Lockdown Chargers. So looking forward to this one. Thank you. I love that. I mean, we always do for sure. And I want to start with, let's start with where kind of the season ended, right? Brand Steely took Good a lot of heat, 27 to zero. Clap. Let's get it out of the way, right? Yeah. Against the Jaguars. And, and, but at the same time, took a very banged up team to a 10 win season and a playoff berth, right? And got to double digits for only, you know, second time in the last 10 years. But just from where you're sitting, right? Does it feel like Brandon Steele is building towards something? Does it feel like they're, you know, this is kind of the foundation of something that could be greater in the future? Or does it kind of feel like this thing is being held together, you know, by popsicle sticks and that they really, really need a strong playoff run kind of no matter what this year? Well, I think you hit on a lot of there. I think you hit on a lot there. Um, so I, Yes, I thought it's it tough. was a great. Yeah, I thought it was a great job in the regular season. This team was decimated by injuries, and I think as you saw a number of teams fall apart, you know, down the stretch, Tennessee, the Jets, you know, Miami, like so many of these teams were dealing with similar situations as the Chargers. So for for Coach Staley to hold it together, I, I think is a testament to the players believing in him, uh, wanting to play for him for each other. The talent, the depth that Tom Telesco was able to put together, specifically on that defensive line, the emergence yeah. of Jamari Sawyer, like there was just so there was a lot of good in the regular season, and and I think had had they won that game, even if they had allowed a furious comeback, and yet somehow they win thirty one twenty eight or something like that, and then you go in and lose to Kansas City, you would have felt a lot better. It's just the oh, yeah. way the season ended that brings yeah. up these questions. You still you know, end up so, losing, but yeah, it feels different. Yeah, and, and I think there's, look, I think there's, that those are fair questions to ask. You know, what, how much of this falls on 
you know, the, the, the desk of Justin Herbert. You know, you're, you're a quarterback. You get the credit. You get the blame. You're up 27 nothing. You know, some of that's going to go to him. You're a defensive coach. You've been staked to a 27-0 lead. How did you lose this game? That's going to go on, on Brandon Staley. You can't run the ball in the second half. You run for seven yards on seven carries. Joe Lombardi no longer has a job with the team. So there's, there's a lot that came out of that. And I think one of, to me, like one of the big takeaways that I had just in some of those contests at the end of the year, and not necessarily even at the end of the year, but just like the Chiefs game again, both those games. Yeah. I I don't know what to do defensively. I, I don't know if there's any point. And, and if you listen to the, the Chargers weekly pod that I do with Chris, you've probably heard me say it repeatedly. I just load up on offense. Just yeah. I'm tired of investing money in draft picks on defensive players because I've just seen the movie and I know how it ends. It ends with, with, Patrick Mahomes going on a two-minute drill and tearing the defense apart and, and watching Trevor Lawrence do it last year. And even if Cameron Dicker had kicked that field goal and they'd have been up four, they would have scored a touchdown. I've just – I've seen it. And so I think that's perhaps – and the reason I bring all that up, you know, getting to this final point, is perhaps that's led to a philosophical adjustment or a shift because you're hearing Brandon Staley now talk about – it's an offensive league – it's it's the way the rules are set up we need to be better on offense we I think he's realized that as great of a job as he did with the Rams a few years ago on that defense the 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 league has shifted even more and he's now joined a conference with Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and (laughs) and that offense with all that speed in Miami and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and obviously Patrick Mahomes that I think he realizes sometimes you throw your hands up and say there's nothing we can do so let's let's get out there and try to outscore him yeah, and, and and you know even though the Chargers haven't really added many players this offseason, one of the moves that they did make to try to help the kind of that offensive change here is bringing in new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. What excites you about the new man in charge of Justin Herbert and where that kind of that offense can go this year? Just felt like, and I I don't think it's fair to put it all on Joe Lombardi. I think he deserves a, a good chunk of it. Just the the design of the offense. I thought the designed runs tended to be a bit predictable and a little bit curious. The si- And this goes back to not just this past year, but the year prior. They were so dominant running to the left. And for whatever reason, it seemed like in critical moments, he almost tried to just outthink the opponent. Like, oh, they know we run to the left, so now I'm going to run to the right. And it's like, no, you're going to get blown up on the right. The, the right's leaky. And, and it yeah. would. And... So things like that, that, that were a bit irksome, the, and again, I I say it's not all on him because I think one thing that, that I heard repeatedly from that offensive staff was just that Justin Herbert is such a quick processor and such a big believer and you can't go broke taking a profit that it was very hard to get him to let plays to develop because as soon as he saw the open man, it's like, well, there's five yards, there's six yards, let's get it and let's move down the field and then you have a holding penalty you have a breakdown in protection you have a run that goes for negative three yards and now you're off schedule because instead of four play scoring drives you need 11 play scoring drives and that's you know that's the whole philosophy and design of Brandon Staley's defense is those 11 play drives because sooner or later we're going to get you we're going to create a turnover we're going to get you off schedule and that's how you turn those seven points into three 
Yeah. And, and so I think Justin was, you know, because he's so smart and he sees things so well that he contributed to that instead of taking more of those shot plays and those chunk plays that result in explosives that lead to touchdowns. Well, and that's what fans want, right? You want to see more explosiveness. You feel like there's some meat left on the bone there when the offense looks the way it did last year, right? Obviously a hugely great offense in 2021 or it was a very good offense in 2021. But there was kind of some feeling to Joe Lombardi's scheme where it was like, it feels like you're looking for perfection to get like a seven-yard gain at times, right? Like that's the best right. thing that could happen on a certain play is you getting seven yards and trying to do that down the field. Didn't work. But some of that is, you know, obviously, as you're saying, Justin Herbert. Well, we're going to get back to Matt Money Smith and what he thinks about the Chargers free agency and also just doubling down on more offense. But before we do that, I do need to tell you guys that this episode is also brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard me talk about this mobile gaming app, and if you've ever thought you'd make a good GM, you've got to give it a try because it's not as easy as you think to create a dynasty. And let me tell you, this game is tough. I mean, it's very, very realistic. You know, when you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team and play through seasons and lead your team to glory trying to build a historic dynasty. I know we had McKinley Pierce, one of our listeners, was raving about it. Already three winning seasons since he downloaded the game. He must have been hiring the right coaches and coordinators managing all the finances, including negotiating player salaries and terms, and navigating their franchise through free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel, and so much more, all in a challenging and realistic game world. I went 2-14 and 14 my first season. I won a game at the end of the season, and then there was a team that only had one win, right? I basically Houston Texans my way out of the number on overall pick, but things are starting to turn around things definitely get better but you got to put in the work and it's so much fun trying to grind and get yourself to that level and locked on charge listeners get a little boost you can get a 100 free boost to your franchise when using the promo code locked on all caps in the game store that's locked on in all caps so make sure to check it out today to download the game just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores that's ultimate-gm.com ultimate football gm start your dynasty today now that you kind of know Justin Herbert, you know those people close to Justin Herbert, is there any kind of concern with having a new offensive coordinator? For as you know, exciting as Kellen Moore is, is there any concern that he could be hindered by just another you know offensive scheme change, more new verbiage, and things like that? Yeah, no. I'm going to say no. I just I think we've seen it. We saw it as rookie year. You know, yeah, he true. he had it dialed, and and he was pressed into you know. Anthony Lynn wanted Tyra Taylor all year. He, yeah. he believed that he had a good defense and he was just going to play conservative football and win games 17-14. Like the very 18th, first game of that season. Like the first, exactly, against Cincinnati, where they got lucky that they got the win. But that's just, I think, what his vision was. So it's not like Herbert was getting a ton of first-team reps going in, and then you saw how quickly he absorbed what Shane wanted to do. And Shane did such a great job and it's the reason why he's a head coach now with Justin and and designing an offense that he was going to be comfortable in and one that he could operate. We we had more explosive plays that year than we did the last two combined it felt like. So yeah. It leads me to believe that and look, I think you look at what Kellen Moore has done in Dallas in each of his seasons and is there more talent on the Chargers offense than the the Cowboys? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, with Tony Pollard and Zeke, with Schultz, and he had Amari for all those years, and now C.D. Lamb and uh, Gallup and Dalton Schultz, not to mention the offensive line. I think it's comparable. So for me, when I look at what Kellen wants to do, and I just think those two are going to be very compatible. They're similar guys. You know, the Pacific Northwest, it just it, 
it's a different vibe up there. You know, <laughs> guys just tend to be a little bit, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily like laid back, like Southern California laid back, but they're just sure. different. They're just very friendly. They're very unassuming. Uh, they're very matter of fact, outdoorsy, you know, just kind of, Hey, let me get my hands dirty and we'll get this done. So I think those two are really going to connect. And, and so to me, that's, I, I think that goes a long way is being able to get in a room with someone being like, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're in sync. And, and I just, I sense that we're going to get a lot of that from Kellen. And I've got to believe he's, he's excited about the, the toys that he gets to work with about Keenan, about Mike Williams, about, you know, even like the, the, the Donald Parham, that, that tight end room, you know, with, with Trey and, and just the great job he's done with not big name tight ends. So, and we all know the offensive line is going to be the strength with Herbert of this offense. So yeah. he's got a lot to work with. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I just keep thinking of the Kendall Auto Group when you're talking about the Pacific Northwest guys staying yeah. together. Yeah, the dude did, they did commercials together, and that seemed exactly. like they got along all right. Exactly. Yeah, Doctor. No, it wasn't. What was it? Who was it that did it? The Kendall Auto. The it was. Um, it was Kellen. It was Justin. Wasn't there it a was, third uh, one in there? The Cowboys linebacker, Leighton Vanderesh. That's right, That's Vanderesh right. from Boise State as well. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> well, hey, the Chargers haven't really been too, uh, you know, too active here in free agency. But the one guy that they did bring in was Eric Kendricks, and it seemed like they moved on to that deal very quickly, and they brought him in pretty much right away. What do you kind of make of them letting go of Drew Tranquil and bringing Kendricks in in his place? That, I'll just I'll just table it to them. I don't know. You know, I, I'm a I'm sure. a big Drew guy. I, I believe he took a step every year, uh, and and. I try not to get too close to the players and it's not like I was super close with Drew. I just, he's a great dude and I really liked him and he loved the chargers. He was a big believer in this team. uh, So thankful that they gave him the opportunity and so thankful that Brandon Staley put that green dot on his helmet last year and proud that that happened. And it's unfortunate that, that they didn't want to take that next step with him for, for me, just, I love those stories, the draft develops sign. That's always been sort of the Telesco, yeah. you know, approach and it's worked great for the most part. At the same time, it's, it's a defense that you know left a lot to be desired, a lot of meat on that bone. So if for whatever reason, you know, Brandon Staley will forget more about defense than I'll ever know if he just feels <laughs> like, yeah, this is a piece that's going to fit better in the context of the whole defense, I guess I'll, I'll lean on, on that expertise. Cause for me, I just am a big believer in drew. And, and I guess maybe it, it goes to show you that maybe I don't, you know, well, not maybe I don't, <laughs> that I don't know what I'm talking about because the guy got a $3 million deal. And I would have thought for sure that guy's getting like an eight, $9 million a so year did deal. We. And yeah, nobody yeah. in the NFL wanted it. So that's, I guess the other part of that is it's not like guys were lined up to, to sign him to some big money deal. So maybe there were issues, you know, digging deeper into the tape than what I can see. Seemed sure. like his timing on blitzes was incredible. Excellent. Almost a line. Yeah. Um, super athletic to be able to go side to side. Missed a few tackles here and there, but solid in coverage. Had the interceptions, good hands. So I'm a big Eric. Now that that's being said, I'm a big Eric Kendricks guy. Uh, most definitely. He was, you know, and, and for me, it goes back to his time at UCLA and just the leader of that defense and and being able to, to digest what Jim Mora wanted him to do and the demands that Jim Mora put on him and then to thrive in Minnesota for Zim, who's one of the most demanding and, and one of the most brilliant defensive coordinators yeah. in the league. So this is someone that's operated at a very high level for some very demanding coaches. So 
look, I'm excited. I, I think, yeah. and again, it's Brandon's defense, and and he decided. I, I think Eric Kendrick can be a better fit than than Drew Tranquil. So, all right, let's go get it. Let's see. Let's see. You know, and I think it, what was interesting was just how quickly they went and made the Eric Kendricks deal happen, right? Like it, it seems like they have a very specific kind of role or very specific parts of their defense they think he can make better because that was the first guy and the only guy to this point, right, that they have brought in externally. Yeah. And, and one thing that he just seems like a very cerebral player too, just seems like he's always in the right spot, which I think will be nice. But I think it was hard for Chargers fans to process, hey, this dude is playing really well, and you let him kind of go for comparative penalty, pennies, right? So I'm glad you kind of get your feeling on it. Everyone we've asked a similar question too has had the same thing. Super affable dude, Drew Tranquil. I mean, yeah. very beloved dude. And really, I think, lived up to a lot of the things off the field that the Chargers really, you know, admire in their players and look for in their players. But I have been a little surprised at just how this free agency has gone. Obviously, the Chargers went into this super cap-strapped. It was, you know, they're going to have to cut Keenan Allen. They're going to have to trade Joey Bosa. There's no way they're going to be able to bring back some of their internal guys in free agency. But they did restructure everything, right? All their biggest contracts, for the most part, they restructured. They're pushing a lot of salary cap space into the 2024 season with huge cap hits for Bosa, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Khalil Mack. Are you surprised that we haven't seen kind of a more aggressive approach from Tom Telesco in free agency to potentially bring in some more talent going into the draft? Uh, Yes and no. Yes, that they did make all those moves and and do have cap available. Uh, a lot of that, I think, is Justin Herbert and that that impending extension. So it's making room for that. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I thought there were some interesting pieces out there that that would have made sense. Um, John Johnson's still alive. Yeah, <laughs> the that's, dreams alive. like that one. I, I that one. I'm not like to me. Dalton Schultz was an interesting one. Sure. You know, I talked about this though, just offensive production because just because of the blocking. But offensively, he had almost identical numbers to Gerald Everett. So it's not like he's yeah. a Travis Kelsey or a Mark sure. Andrews type tight end. So it's like, all right, am I really going to pay ten million bucks to to get the to get maybe a little bit better than what I already have? Yeah, yeah. he's just a better blocker, right? And that's yeah. just to me that was just the Kellen Moore fit. Once Kellen signed, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, he likes to run a lot of you know two tight end sets. So why not bring Schultz in to pair with Everett as that wide tight where you have Dalton, who's a little bit more of your all around tight end. Anyway, yeah. Um, he did the majority of their impact. Look, they wrote, they wrote these monster deals, right? JC Jackson out for the year. Uh, you look at Sebastian Joseph day, Austin Johnson, you know, Austin got her. I thought those were two good signings, but so they spent a ton of cash last year. I mean, right. wads of cash, you know, hundred million plus dollars in, in free agents. And you could argue that the most impactful guys were the ones that were signed after the draft for pennies, yeah. you know, Kyle, Van Noy, Morgan Foxes, the Bryce Callahan. So mm-hmm. to me, like that's still out there. Absolutely. You know, you still have really good players on the open market that, you know, you might get Bryce Callahan back. Marcus Peters is still out there if you want a little bit more of an aggressive, you know, corner. So I think those players are still available. And depending on what they end up doing in the draft, they just – so, like, this is something that is worth paying attention to is the the number of veteran contracts versus rookie contracts you have – on a team and you'll see the best teams tend to have a lot of those rookie deals because that way they're able to spend more lavishly on elite veterans. So that's, I think what they're trying to go to. They have a lot of these middling veteran contracts that I think he's trying to wean the chargers off of. It's like, yeah, I know we've been bargain shopping and that's sort of our identity. We draft, 
we develop, we re-sign, and then we go bargain shop. What we really need to do is be, and this probably comes into play on the Drew extension. Like what, what I, you know, and, and I don't have any, this is just my observation. Sure. We need elite veteran talent complemented by good develop, draft, develop rookie talent. And then when we decide, okay, this player's not elite, we're not bringing him back. We're not picking up your sure. fifth-year option. We're not, yeah. you know, we're not, Kenneth Murray, we're not picking up your fifth-year option. Nas Adderley, you're gone. You know, he retired, but he was out the door. Like, Aloe Gilman, okay, you know what? I think we might have something here. Let's give it one more year. So I think that's perhaps a shift as well in just the economics of football and how much every position has exploded. Laramie Tunsil, $25 million. A.J. Brown, $25 million. Travis Kelsey, $20 million. Like, that's what you're seeing is elite players are making so much money. Yeah. And you want to make sure that's where you spend it. So I think that's maybe what's happening here. Yeah, and I mean, the Chargers, you know, like we've talked about a couple of times, they haven't really signed a lot of external free agents, but they have been able to kind of bring back a couple of important internal free Very agents. Important. For guys like Trey Pipkins and yeah. Morgan Fox. And, you know, it seems like they're pretty content to kind of run things back with relatively that same group. Obviously, you know, with the addition of some draft picks, do you have a feeling that they could be a lot better with their current group if they just get a little bit better in uh, injury health, like health luck next 100%. season? Yeah, hundred percent, David. I think, like to me, the the Trey signing, and this is this is where you run into a danger of self scouting, and that's you know, do you value your internal free agents more than the market? When I look at the offensive line deals that were signed. You know, the Andre Dillard, Juwan Taylor, Orlando Brown, and I see what they got Trey Pipkins for. Steal. Like, what am I missing? Yeah. You know, the guy freaking played his tail off. He played through a knee injury. He's gotten better every year, and he's flexible. He can play either tackle position, and he's young. You know, he's so, like, to me, that was, to me, and I think that's what we saw. You could clearly see this is our priority. We need to make sure we keep. We don't want to cut Bosa. We don't want to cut Keenan. We don't want to cut Mike. We want to make sure. Let's make sure we keep all these guys in house. And that way we're going to make some money available. So we've got to get Trey back. And I think that's, I brought this up last year on the pod after listening to the athletics, Andrew Luck series, which was super, just is incredible the job they did um, and enlightening. And, and to know that Tom was part of that, to it's clear. For Tom, he is like, the O-line is the number one priority after the quarterback. Quarterback one, offensive line 1A. Because without an offensive line, I might not have a quarterback. Right. And you saw that in that game against Kansas City where Will Clapp was in for Corey Lindsley. And what happens? There's a blown assignment, and Herbert lands on a football and a dude's helmet, and he messes up his ribs. So yeah. to me, that's where it was priority one. Yeah. You know, Trey is back, and it wouldn't surprise me in the least to see them spend valuable draft capital on the offensive line again. I could just see it. I think it makes way too much sense with how talented Justin is. Yeah. It feels like cornerback and offensive line are like two of the positions where it's like, doesn't feel like they need it, you know, at least to prioritize it at the top of the draft potentially. But like with this team, you can't ever roll it out. The team, you know, spent back to back first round pick on offensive line. But money, you've been so gracious with your time. I know you 
are all in on offense. I love that because it's like, look back to that Bill's Chiefs game, right? The one where like nobody didn't yeah. score and it just ended up with who had the ball last. Like good enough quarterbacks are just going to beat you no matter how good your defense is sometimes. Like that's, look at the Eagles <laughs> in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? 100%. Like they scored sometimes, what, 35 and lost. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And sometimes it's just that simple, you know, but I just kind of a short answer if you need to get out of here, of course, but like, do you get the vibe that they feel like with like what Brandon Staley said, right, about the comments of offensive league and then stuff like that? Like, do you feel like there is a, a sense that they're not content with the current offensive weapons they have around Justin Herbert? Well, they need speed. They desperately need speed. Yes. And but whenever they're fun. asked about it, they always say, you know, Mike Williams can win deep and Josh Palmer can and, win and deep. And he can. And, yes, and he of course. Can, it's just and they can, but it's different. The The pressure that speed puts on a defense is different. Now, speed for speed doesn't mean jack, you know, if, if they don't want to honor that, that player, right? You know, yeah. like the whole – because I brought that up with, you know, with some people about Tyron Johnson, about T. Billy. And just like, why, you know, he's available. Why not re-sign him? And it's like, well, why is he always available? Yeah. You know, he runs a 4-3, but there's issues there. He's not maybe, you know, and I'm not trying to put it on him. It's like, is he running right. the right routes? No. Can the quarterback trust him? Does he have hands? There's there's a lot that goes into that. But to me, and it could have been the scheme. It could have been the lack of, of success on designed runs. But there were just way too many heavy boxes. You know, there, yeah. there was may, way too much like, we're not afraid of you down the field. You're going to face eight-man fronts on every snap, and we don't care. So you yeah. can't get on schedule on first and second down. If you want to run the ball, you're not going to run the ball because we're going to stack it. So to me, they need that. Um, and look, I, I still – I value – I think this league is shifting to where the tight end is so important that when you have an elite tight end – that that complements an incredible quarterback. It's such a tough weapon to defend. Linebackers can't keep up with them. Safeties aren't big enough. And when you have a Keenan Allen and a Mike Williams, and you saw it, look, Gerald Everett was probably the best. You know, was he and Keenan were great in that game. You know, like they were great. But Gerald Everett was great. He strung some plays together mm-hmm. where he was just crushing linebackers. The linebackers for the Jacksonville were trash. Like they just could <laughs> yeah. not cover. And, and yeah. Herbert was going back to Everett over and over and over again. So I think if you talk about, like, if you're asking me, Daniel, like, if you've got an elite defensive player and an elite offensive player at 21, if that's kind of what the question is, I'd just as soon add offense. Because yeah. I just, I, I've seen it. I, I, yeah. I, I'm so tired of seeing, and I'm sure Justin Herbert's tired of seeing him driving the field and leaving a defense with 90 seconds left. And I'm not blaming the defense. I think it's just the way the league is set up and the talent that you have in this conference. I'd rather give Herbert another weapon. So when he gets the ball back at 35 seconds and he's down three, (laughs) give me Dalton Kincaid, give me Jordan Addison, give me Zay flowers. Give me one of those guys instead of, you know, whom Kalijah can see or Brzee or whoever it's going to be like, to hell with those guys like just give me offense i'd rather give me, some, give me someone who, who who can run under a justin herbert pass you know give yeah. me someone who can like, you know like can run down exactly. the field 60 yards you know because i just don't yeah. i don't think the, de- I, I just the defense isn't defense. close to being elite it hasn't stopped and that's and look if you asked a bunch of coordinators hey we're gonna give you a defense with derwin james joey bosa khalil Mack, yeah. asante samuel 
Mikey Davis, who played out of his mind last year. Insane. That, those yeah. are the guys we're going to give you on defense. They'd be like, heck yeah, let's go. And it's like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, Patrick Mahomes is just going to cut him to ribbons. <laughs> because that's what he does. Because he's throwing yeah. to Travis Kelsey yeah. too. <laughs> that, was a, that was an Eagles yeah. defense that had 70 sacks on the yeah. season. My and they goodness. got torched in the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. torched. Yeah. So I totally get it. That's just where I, that's where I, that's how I see it. Yeah. Well, and I just think the offense is a lot close to be a lot closer to being a juggernaut offense right. than the defense is to being a juggernaut defense. Right. And that's like at least point. be really, really good at one thing. And then you're going to be competitive every week. I mean, unless you're going to have the San Francisco 49ers defense, who in turn got destroyed by the Eagles, just for the right. Eagles' great defense to go get destroyed by the, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So, like, totally, totally get that. But money, thank you. If you guys want to follow him, if you don't already, it's on you. But you can follow him at Matt Moneysmith. That's it. No numbers. No nothing. Thank you so much totally. for coming on the show, man. Can't wait to hear you on not just – Chargers Weekly, you know, doing it with Chris Harry. Love that show. So informative. Great guests on there as well. But also calling the games on the radio with Daniel Jeremiah. Super excited, man. Thank you so much for coming on. You got it. We'll see you guys at the draft party. You got to love when you can know what to expect from a special guest when it's just in their name. Right. Matt Money Smith. Thank you again for coming on the show. We're super appreciative of him. Shout out to him. Make sure you're following all of his great content. I mean, the best, you know, Chargers podcast that's put out by the team for sure. I'm mean, oh, as good as us, but you know, pretty close. But thank you guys for checking out today's show. We always will strive to keep bringing you guys better guests. And tomorrow, since he brought it up, we thought, hey, let's talk about the tight ends. He loves tight ends. He wants Chargers to potentially draft a tight end. We know how much of a difference maker they can be. Tomorrow, we're getting into our favorite tight ends at each day of the draft. Day one, guys, round one, rounds two and three on day two, and some sleeper picks at tight end that we're going to get to. We're going to after letting our eyeballs heal from all the bleeding of you know this last mock draft Monday, we're ready to dive back in and tell you guys who we love at tight end. But to make sure you don't miss it, make sure you are following us wherever you get the show from and following our social media. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David Drogemeyer on Twitter at DroTalkSD. You can also find the show's page every day if you just follow or subscribe for free on the YouTube channel. We love all the support we've gotten on YouTube. We appreciate you guys. And you can always listen to the show wherever you get your podcast from. You guys, we also are doing Fan Mail Friday this week. So if you guys want to get in on that action, you can hit us up at LockedOnLAC on Twitter. You can also hit us up in the comments of the YouTube here. And you can also hit us up on Instagram. David Drogemeyer's DMs are also always open at DrotalkSD on Twitter. Or you can call into the voicemail line at 323-524-7924. It's very hard for us to talk about multiple draft prospects we haven't watched for these questions, guys. I get it. Leave a 30-second question, and we'll do our best to get it on the show for you guys. But thank you, as always, for making us your first listen today. If you need a second listen, make sure you guys check out the Locked On Scouting Show with the Draft Dudes, Kyle Krabs, and Joe Marino, back with the Locked On Podcast Network. Big-time show teaching you how to have a winning franchise and building the franchise right through free agency, the draft, and so much else. And you can find that wherever you get your podcast from and on YouTube Monday through Friday. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow breaking down all of the best tight ends in the upcoming draft class. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.